1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub on the Bat Flip, episode 88. Going to recap your week in Fab. Once again, it's always entertaining, even though it's not as hectic as it once was. Wander Franco was already pretty much added everywhere to begin with. Well, there's a few few spots he got added, but he's pretty much a done deal, and he's already paid off that first night, home runs, doubles. The bar is set high for Mr. Wander Franco. Um, you can find me on Twitter at bdintrick. My co-host is always on Twitter at Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, my friend?
2: Uh, we're doing pretty well, Bubba, you know, as, as many people are struggling with getting wins, it's like, what do you have to do? I had both Sandy Alcantara and, um, Ross Stripling everywhere tonight. And I was like, okay, I should get one win. And it's like, no, we're going to both pitch gems and one-to-one. So I'm, I'm here by changing my tune and I no longer support the win. I'm full in on the quality start or the, uh, quality start plus. Yeah, um, that our
1: friend uh, John from MLB Moving Averages has put together. I've, I've yeah, changed I it. The, yeah, I think the quality start plus is the way to go. Like, because quality starts are still kind of a. If people haven't listened to it, John talks about it greatly, Um Last season, I had him on my show and he broke it down like to it. Like, there's four different quality starts he actually built. I think quality start plus is probably the most legit one, but um, it makes more sense than six innings and three earned. But in that Tout Wars League, I mean, it's an Indies Pitch League instead of wins. So that helps a little bit because the White Sox blew the third straight win for Lucas Gilito this week, tonight. So that's been really, really fun. But, hey, he gets me six-plus innings every time. In reality, that's all I need. So to strike him out and do that, we're good because, yeah, the wins are tough. Um, and then I don't know about you. I guess we can go on a diatribe because we don't have a ton of listener questions tonight. But um, like I heard on Rates and Barrel, they were talking about stolen bases being an issue and all this stuff. and. I know we talked about it in the past in the preview podcast, kind of trying to get balanced guys, at least some guys that help you here and, and don't just like get the, the, the complete zeros type guys. And that's paid off pretty well for me, at least this year. I'm doing very, very well in stolen bases in most leagues. I don't count barfing. My barf team is so just destroyed. It's not even funny. Uh, with uh, Every time I look at that roster, it's just like, wow, this is what I put together today. This is great. Um, but like all my NFPC leagues and stuff, I have stolen bases, like even Towers. I can't get power at all. I have no power, zero power. Mm. All my home run guys are not hitting home runs. It is beyond me right now.
2: It's like saves for me. It's like the kryptonite, whatever I touch just, uh, just falls apart. So, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I'm, I want to know though. I mean, I know you had a big, a big father's day (laughs) on Sunday, you went to the giants game first game, uh, with your daughter. I want to hear how that, how that went. It was a good game.
1: It was a great game. Um, I told her over and over again because they had went back-to-back back with home runs in the first. They, there was a combined five home runs hit in that game. I said, um, darling, I've been to many baseball games in my lifetime, many Giants games, and many times I leave the ballpark without one home run getting hit. I could probably count maybe five an entire season if I went to like 10 or 12 games. Uh, you just saw like the, J- the Giants scored double-digit runs tonight. Like it's, you saw everything. It was great. You saw great pitching performance. You saw the bats go crazy. The only guy that didn't hit was Belt. Uh, Flores hit two home runs. Like you got the whole package. It was, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. She was, she was a blast. There was a lot of babies actually in our section. It was pretty cool because yeah, it was cool. the last game for the Giants that had the vaccinated and unvaccinated sections. So ours Ooh. is the vaccinated section, which is the vaccine was full. It was like strip of full, strip of empty, strip of full, like throughout the whole stadium. But, uh starting this next series, it's full go, like everything else um so we were where we were it was just pretty much all the families and their kids it was it was kind of cool, like it wasn't planned that way, obviously, but all the babies like one to make a noise, they all start looking at each other and making another noise, and it was just it was fun like she obviously has no clue what was going on, but uh she had fun when like you know fireworks went off or things like she was she was having a blast, and she made it she was a trooper. we left after the eighth inning because they were blowing them out she was it was awesome, I couldn't ask for much more. it's probably. The perfect day so i had a lot a lot of fun
2: cool bubba yeah. leaving early i mean isn't that one of the cardinal rules of fandom never leave a game early what yeah, I, kind of example are you trying to set for
1: her? exactly no it was one of those um up they're up like eight or nine runs and i'm looking at her she was starting to fade pretty quick and i'm like okay totally. this is the let's get to the car get her in the car seat before the traffic starts let's just get her home and like do that because it was about a two and a half hour drive home so i was like get her in there she'll fall asleep we'll be good to go and uh for the most part it worked out pretty well so yeah it was yeah my, my wife even says wait you want to leave because uh, she knows me, like I stay for everything, and you know, like even sharks games, the sharks will be like winning or losing by like, three or four goals. And it's like we're staying until the end. It's like, just that's how it's going to go. So she knows that she was very surprised to uh to hear me say that. So it was a blast, though. I'm looking forward to doing it again with her. Um, it's not like a rush to do it, but she behaved so well. Like I might be playing with fire, like testing fate to do it again. But <laughs> the, the funniest part was most fans around me—they either had kids or they're like grandparents or something. There was a couple of younger people, though, because like she'd be kind of standing there holding the chair and she'd be like screaming, like not angry screaming, but just like screaming fun little kids screaming. And um, most people were just laughing at her, like having fun with it. These two younger people were just like, what is she doing? I'm like, you're not going to stop her. So good luck. Like, she's not going to stop anytime soon. So it was it was fun. It was very fun. Very cool. But how was your father's day?
2: Uh, it was good. It was good. My, my father's day is generally just in, involved, like eating whatever I want to you know that day sweets, like i'm sweets. i'm there i'm a very simple person you know so i had donuts and a latte uh for uh, for breakfast or for kind of lunchish um cuz i got to sleep in um which nice. was nice and then um yeah uh I had to. I had the ice, cookie ice cream sandwich later on in the day, and you know, it was it was all good. It was all good. Perfect. So, Perfect.
1: Yeah, that's outstanding, and it's a good thing you have to sleep in because you do fab all night long. So that makes sense. I do. You got to. Yeah, do that my
2: my wife is actually a saint. She she lets me sleep in on a lot of Sundays. So,
1: um, yeah. yeah, that's pretty outstanding. Yeah. That is outstanding. It was a good good Father's Day, but uh, the sleeping part for the fab, let's talk some fab. It right was on. another interesting week. Like I said, Wander Franco got added everywhere. We really don't have to talk about Wander Franco. Top prospect, started his first game, hit second, played third, homer, doubled. He looks legit. Things are going to happen. There's going to be ups and downs as a prospect. Looks legit. Um, the top added player this week, though, another prospect for the Miami Marlins picked up in 264 leagues as high as $249. That was one Jesus Sanchez. Um, I put some small bids on him in certain places. I think he's a, he's got a good power bat. He's a, he's an interesting overall player. I don't know if he's going to stick when like Cooper and stuff comes back. That's my big concern where, you know, they call Frank Franco up. He's
2: yeah. Jesus Sanchez. I was not super aggressive on Sanchez and I'm actually a little disappointed because not because he hit a home run today off Ross Stripling. I mean, that's, pro- that's part, of, part of it. But, um, you, know, he, you know, he doesn't have the greatest plate discipline, although if you look at it throughout his minor league career, you know, the small sample in the majors doesn't look a lot like that. And so it may be just that small sample coming in. I mean, he doesn't have good plate discipline, but the contact skills have actually been, you know, okay at different spots. And he's the type of prospect where, you know, he comes with some pedigree but the bids were all reasonable, you know, they weren't like out of, they weren't, they weren't too, uh, too, too ridiculous. And so I had him on there as some conditional bids, you know, I even had him behind guys like Abraham Almonte, just because I was really looking at that, you know, five game week to start off with. Um, so, you know, who knows what he'll end up being, but certainly the fact he hit a ball, 110 miles per hour already. You know, and he's got those two home runs. Like, he's the type of player that I think is worth the risk. And so I'm a little disappointed that maybe I wasn't a little bit more aggressive where I could have used a player like him in some of my leagues.
1: Yeah, the prospect cutter is great. But he's been like a maybe 15-homer guy, maybe 10 steals, decent average in the minors. So he didn't really jump off the papers, but he crushed it this year in AAA in his 23 games. And that kind of got the early rise to the bigs. But I think it's more of a question is, does he stick? When the guys come back, that's, that's the real question. In theory, the Marlins don't have anything to really lose, so we'll see. At the same time, they might want to keep that uh, clock from ticking. So keep an eye on that one. I think it's interesting, and the fact that you said is the bids weren't too crazy helps out a ton, so that that's very good as well. Uh, the second most added player this week was Ross Stripling. You just hinted at him as high as $79. I know I grabbed him, and I put bids in on him on like, every league. I think I acquired him in, like, one or two of my Fab NFPC Fab Leagues. I have, like, four NFC Fab Leagues, nothing close to you, but um, – I got him in at least one for sure, maybe two. He's been outstanding like his last three or four starts, been really, really good. Was even decent on uh, Tuesday night against the Marlins. He went six innings, one run, seven Ks. Actually, actually really good, not decent. So that gives him about four or five straight like really, really good starts. He's he's been dealing and he looks like he'd be locked into that Toronto rotation. So I, I was I was liking him for the two step this week, but I think there's more to come with him as well
2: yeah definitely i I loved him i've loved him for a little while i think this is the third time we've talked about him on the show as a guy who um you know he's had increased velocity um he's got a great two-step um i picked him up everywhere uh, last week i think he has at miami and then home against baltimore um which you really can't ask for a better two-step than that when you look at his last five games um, rolling average, his in zone contact rate is below league average, 82.3%, which is really good. His O swing. And I think this is the key, um, to his success is up, uh, 32.7%. He's really struggled with that. Um, in recent years, the last year that he was good, which I think was 2019, um, he had a, he had a high O swing. So I was really happy to see that strikeout rate of 25.4% over those last five games uh, walk, uh, rate of 7%. So about 18% K minus walk rate, which is great. Swinging strike rate at 12%. And as I mentioned before, the velocity has increased. So there's actually like a reason behind, you know, why he's improved and it continues to increase. So over his last five games, it's at 92, two, which is the fastest that his fastball has been, I think in his major league career. Um, so this is really a guy who's, 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 um just a different pitcher than he has been previously because of those velocity increases and he's been pitching well against teams like the yankees and the red sox except for like two times ago against the red sox he's had some really tough matchups um but yeah just really excited i picked him up a bunch of places you know in the last few weeks he was actually available in one of my main events and i i bid 47 bucks for him and i lost out to a bit of 54 and I was so disappointed in myself. I was like, "This is a, this was a, this was a potential game changer right here," and I, I wasn't aggressive enough. Um, but you win some, you lose some. You lose some.
1: You win some, you lose some. I mean, it's a good point you make, though. It's like we talk about streaming picks, and some people might just think, "Hey, he's a two starter this week. That's why they added him." But with Stripling, the changes you mentioned, he's made. He's kind of rekindling that Dodger pitcher we once liked beforehand. We're like, and then when he got traded, we're like, sweet. Now he's going to get to pitch every fifth day, and we're not going to, have to worry about it. And then it kind of didn't work out so well. Obviously, you know, some things changed, but pitching in Buffalo probably wasn't great for him either. There's a lot, lot of factors in there. But you mentioned that the pitch mix changed, the increased velocity, which is always tremendous. Um, there is a lot to like, and he's going to be one of those guys that potentially, as you said, you might just plug him in weekly now, which we're not going to get a ton of. This, the rest of the way, we're going to get some guys here and there, but f- most of the ads, especially with how crazy spending has been, you're putting flyer bids out there on guys you're hoping stick. Where Stripling has the pedigree and he's already shown it for five or six starts now, where it's like, okay, I can feel comfortable more often than not. Now it stinks because, you know, the AL East is just bananas, but he's going to have a lot of great matches where he can take you exploit situations. This Marlins one was definitely one uh, to, to have some fun with. So I'm with you on that. I think he was one of the more like coveted. Uh, bids I put out there this week, and I said I only got them in, like, one, I think, but that's partially because I just don't have a lot of money to be thrown out there in some leagues, so it is what it is. Uh, the next uh, most added player, Matt Manning, prospect for the Detroit Tigers, made his MLB debut against the Angels, five innings, four hits, two earned, two walks, three Ks, not bad, nothing flashy, uh, di- didn't pitch well in AAA this year, ERA over eight, a little more than a K per inning for him, but people were buying into the pedigree. They were going for him. Um, he only went as or he went as high as 177 in one league, but most leagues I saw him were not too crazy. I didn't even put a bid in on him. I was just like, you know what? I've seen these young pitchers. I've been burned by some already. I'd rather for the striplings, I'd rather for a couple other guys we're going to talk about later on. Um, I didn't even put a bid in for him.
2: Yeah, I was pretty similar. Um, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been impressive this year. Projections don't really like him. He wasn't really impressive in his first start. I mean – the results were okay but the actual you know underlying metrics didn't really show anything particularly special he's on the tigers so going to be a little bit of a of a tough situation um there in terms of getting wins and, and stuff like that I and mean, you don't know how long he's going to be in there spencer turnbulls coming back hopefully in a few weeks um so i wasn't really aggressive i don't really think i had any bids in uh, in on him anywhere can certainly see like the, the prospect pedigree and, and where he was coming from was was really high, but uh there wasn't anything that I really could see myself latching on to from his from his first start, which again could just be, you know, his first start and not uh representative of what he's gonna do moving forward. But I like to see something at least to um you know to to spark my interest.
1: Yeah, because we've talked before is I think we're both kind of guys that don't go crazy on prospects to begin with. And then secondly We've seen the Gilbert, and Logan Gilberts. he's turned it around now. He's usable. Like I said I said a couple weeks ago, I picked him up in a couple of weeks for like $21 recently, which makes me feel a lot better than the big bids. And at least I can justify in my head, okay, if I want to sit him or do this or that, if I have to drop him, it doesn't kill me. But we've seen even like on the Tigers in recent years, Casey Mize, Tariq Scouble, everyone was pumped to have them come up. They struggled. Now they figured it out, but this is like a year later, and it was a pitch mix change for these guys and stuff like that. So not that many, many can't do it. Obviously, as you're saying, and the prospect pedigree is there, it's just with the budgets and as much as a season, we still have to go breaking the bank on a guy like Manny was not on my my agenda. Um, Johan. And, yeah. And, and Logan Gilbert's
2: a good example, because when we talked about him after he struggled starting off with, there was actually things in his underlying skills that you could hold on to, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the swinging strike rate was good. We talked about how the K-minus walk was good. Like everything looked really good. And now we're starting to see those skills kind of play out as we get a larger sample, fewer balls falling in play, fewer home runs, things like that. That's what I'm kind of looking for whenever I'm looking at at any pitcher really. is just something to spark some hope that there is some sort of um, skill there, you know? And... Yeah. And that can also be a flaw because I'll oftentimes miss out on the prospects of a junior um, who, you know, uh, take that developmental leap. You know,
1: I respect you for continually ragging on yourself, but I wouldn't (laughs) you like I know I've said it. and Many others have said it. You at least went at it from a purely like statistical, logical way. And, you know, sometimes stuff happens. So yeah. that's the way it works. Uh, I, it, I'm just having fun with it. it oh, point. I know. I know. I appreciate that you are. It's just like I hope people realize now it's more of a we're laughing and sh- like a shtick thing because it's like the dude is just unconscious. So what are you going to do about it? It's just it's one of those deals. But lastly, on the Gilbert thing, which is also interesting, and it's going to be a purely I'm trying to find anything out of it besides just the underlying stats. Like I remember watching that first start he was so jacked up and I, I can't remember who we were watching. I was watching recently, one of the de- debut kids so jacked up. He couldn't find the strike zone. And you have seen Gilbert after these last few starts, he might just be getting comfortable. It's that simple. Like he's realizing, okay, I can pitch. It's the big leagues. Okay. But it's me versus them still. So, and you, you've seen it in his starts and those underlying stats helped obviously kind of get there. And he's young. He's going to blow up still. Like I'm not, I, I know for a fact, I'm going to play him one week and it looks like great matchups. He's going to get shelled for like six because he's young and they do, goofy things from time to time that's just how it works but i think he's actually legit so we'll see we'll see manning might be there eventually manning might be a guy that we talk about this offseason as a 21st round guy we're willing to take a flyer on and he comes in as like a 12th round finisher next year guy like that that makes that next leap but we'll see he might just it's just weird in season to see that kind of jump johan oviedo picked up in 198 leagues as high as $44. He's been picked up and dropped a few times for streaming situations because the Cardinals have picked him up and dropped him back down to Triple a few times this season. He had a two-step this week. I talked about it on my Quick Hits, my DFS show, is I like his stuff, but he doesn't have strikeout stuff. That's the frustrating part for me, and in fantasy, I want the strikeouts, especially if we're not getting wins, Toby. we got to get something out of this, and he even did it tonight. He pitched okay for the times he was in the game, didn't go deep into the game. And he didn't have many strikeouts. And that's just been a consistent repertoire from him. Start if you look at his game logs, it's like three strikeouts, two, four. Like it's just it's never domination. And that's why I couldn't go in on Oviedo. Like I put like one, two dollar bids out there just because I needed a live arm, but it wasn't I wasn't going hardcore on him. Like I know some people love him a lot, so I could be missing something. So what's your thoughts?
2: Yeah, you know, I stayed away from him everywhere except for one league. And um, I made the, the the mistake that I always seem to make where, you know, I get a few weeks without having a massive blow up, you know, and then I'm like, well, I could, my, I could dip my finger, my toe into the water on uh, these like, you know, purely two start, good matchup, you know, two starts and that's that's what it was and it wasn't great today i mean he he gave up four unearned runs so he only gave up two earned runs in a little more than three and a I think it was like three and a third or three and two thirds innings but um the whip the whip was not great nine hits and walks during that time walks have been the issue as you mentioned before i mean i you know there is something of interest you know 11.8 um swinging strike rate there so there's something that The CSW is below league average, but it's not awful. Um, But yeah, there really wasn't enough here to really go after him. And I think, you know, it's always hindsight 2020, but I think this is one of those kind of quintessential, the only reason is the only reason why you're picking up a guy because he's got two good starts, you know, and there's not really anything to hang your hat on. And uh, you, you get burned, you get burned. I'm just hoping the Pittsburgh start doesn't end up uh, going too poorly who knows maybe i'll luck out
1: you never know pittsburgh slowly becoming a sneaky sneaky team it's either all or nothing it seems like when they play they either put up a complete safe as, as a team or they go out and put up like seven or eight runs they're just a really goofy team right now but frazier and reynolds smoking hot so we'll see on that one michael fulmer came back from the il picked up in 189 leagues size 171 stepped right back in he's picked up a few saves Seems to be their guy until they trade him. Like it makes sense what they're doing. It makes total sense. Like showcase him, let's trade him. Then we can go back to Soto and Cisnero and do that whole dance again. So it makes a lot of sense what they're doing. He's been very good though. I'll give him that much. Like not every save is perfect, but overall he's been pretty better than I expected from Michael Fulmer. So I didn't put any bids on him this week because so I was, hey, I wasn't paying that much, but I already I still had him in a couple leagues already. So that's where I sat on him.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't either. He was gone in all the fifteen teamers I think that I was in and in the 12 teamers, I think he was available in one league, but I'm I'm pretty sure I was set on closers. Although you can't really be set on closer these days. I I shouldn't take that for granted, but yeah, I mean, he's been good. He's been solid. You know, every time I think I know what that Detroit bullpen is going to do, they just make me look foolish. So I've been made foolish again. Like I, I had Gregory Soto and I targeted him and, got him in a few places and I was super excited and then Fulmer gets two straight saves and you can't, it's really hard to have guys in your lineup who aren't getting the saves consistently because, you know, especially within an overall or anytime you need, um, you need innings, you need wins, you need Ks. um, It it can be, uh, it can be a challenge to have those guys who aren't really getting you saves in every opportunity. So um, yes, Michael Fulmer, a good good pickup. We'll see what ends up happening with him.
1: Yeah, just be prepared closer to the trade deadline to grab a Soto or a Cisnero if you sit on your waiver wire because that's coming. Um, Patrick Sandoval for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim picked up in 175 leagues, as high as 169. We talked about him a bit in recent weeks because he dominated with that 10 strikeout performance a couple starts ago. He's made six starts now for the Angels. He's pitched at least five innings in five straight starts. No more than three earned in any start. Only, only did that once. And in his last three starts, he struck at at least nine twice. He's been looking really, really good. I know the pitch mix change has been there. Alex Fast and Pitcherless have like raved about it with their gifts and everything about the curveball usage and the whiffs he's getting. His CSW is through the roof that one start. So, you know, you get back, you get two out of three starts with nine plus Ks. Something's working pretty good. And Sandoval, it wasn't like he just came out of nowhere a couple of years ago, he was actually decent and looking like he had hope and then kind of disappeared. I know I grabbed him late, late in like best ball drafts and some DCs. So I've been able to luckily plug him in there, but um, I was not able to get him in any redraft leagues. Your thoughts on him.
2: Yeah. You know, I, he, he, he wasn't available in any of my 15 teamers, but I got him in all three of my 12 teamers. Um, we talked about him last week, so I won't belabor the point, but he's got a really great repertoire. The, the fastball is not great, but the changeup um, and the slider, I think, are really good pitches. And, you know, he's generating a ton of whips. The K-minus walk rate is pretty good, 15.4%, like slightly above league average. But swinging strike rate is great. And I think um, the thing with him, too, is the ground ball rate super, super high. 53% this year. It's always been above 50%, and so that will limit some of the damage as well, especially with that those control issues that he has. So certainly he'll he'll have some blowups but you know I think he he's in a he's in a position to be fairly you know successful um I think and and I like him uh, I like him I like him a lot.
1: Yeah, no I'm with you there. And that was the thing he's always been a big time ground ball guy but now he's getting those strikeouts on top of it so it's, it's a beautiful thing that he's putting together there. Next up on our list here Bailey Ober picked up in 165 leagues as high as 160 i put out like some small bigs i got him in a few leagues i really liked what i saw from him the two things i was always concerned about is i knew he wasn't gonna go deep the the twins have already said we're limiting things but i just wanted good quality innings and strikeouts i got neither of those on tuesday against the twins so that was fun um again it was only in leagues where i was desperate like i had so many il guys coming on i'm like i just need pitchers i need i need bodies and so Ober is a guy I'm like, I'll, I'll throw out four bucks on him or something to see what flies. I got him in two leagues. Um, oh, he's obviously in the lineup for this week for a second start. We'll see how it goes. It's a guy that, again, he's not going deep. So I understand if you don't like him, but just the the quality of innings he was giving and the strikeouts, I was on board for.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't really interested in in him at all. I mean, I can see like the results have been really good so far. But, um, you know, when you look kind of under the hood, you know, 8.9% swinging strike rate that CSW is 28.6, I think, which is fine, but not great in zone contact rate, 91%. So really has trouble in the zone, getting people to swing and miss the O swing is really nice at 34.4%. And and obviously the K minus walk rate is tremendous at 27.5% heading into today but I just didn't really see it, you know, with, with the underlying metrics to be that interested. Um, you know, so, so I stayed away from him, but I can certainly see why people were, were intrigued. He seems, he seems to be a guy who maybe gets a little bit more out of his, um, repertoire because of the extension. Like he's, I think, close to seven feet tall. Um, but like, if you look at his pitch mix, you know, his best pitch, is the slider eleven point nine percent swing strike rate thirty seven point five percent O swing? That's the only pitch with double digit swinging strike rate, and and those are generally the guys that I, you know, stay away from for, for better or worse, um, and giving up a lot of a lot of balls in the air. So you know, it was a tough outing for him today, but we'll see how see how he does. I don't I don't think he's in in uh, I think he gets two starts next week because um, they I'm have they a have wins. That's right. They have Wednesday off. They have that weird schedule that tripped me out. That
1: shows you just how desperate I was because I needed to use him on this week. That's how things are going.
2: (laughs) Well, at home against Cincinnati, I mean, it's not. I thought I was at least a
1: give me four innings, limit the damage type situation. Let's go. Yeah. Couldn't do that. Couldn't do it.
2: Next next week, he's got that brutal one where he's at the White Sox to start and then he's at KC for the second one. So you're like,
1: oh, crossing your fingers. do
2: Do I do this? Um, Yeah. So, so again, I think there was reasons to be really interested in him. The skills don't really show him being a really good pitcher at this point in time, which again can always change on a dime. So we'll, we'll
1: see. The one thing I will say, the caveat I will give, and of course Fangrass is failing me now is this um, this white Sox offense is not the white Sox offense we've grown to love of late. So That that's one thing I will I will look at. Um, Let's just do the last month for fun here. Um, It is June twenty second, so the last month would be May twenty fifth. And just verse right handed pitchers, the White Sox. Because I do this for DFS every day. um, They're striking out twenty four percent of the time, but they only have a two thirty three average and a ninety five WRC plus. So they're like average to below average now. They're not like crushing it like they once were. They still scare the crap out of me. I'm not gonna be like they're they're that's there. You're waiting for the beast to awaken, but the some, they've they've slowed down quite a bit. So yeah, the, those, the righties things. against
2: the White Sox, I'm not as worried about. Yeah, it's
1: the lefties, and they've even slowed down there. They're like even watch, look at tonight's start against Alexander. That was he shut them down for a while. It's a gosh, what a what
2: a what a roller coaster, you know? Julio's oh, pitching a great game. Yep, you know, and then they. um and they give up the three-run homer. Our White Sox get a three-run homer, so he's in line for the win. And then they come back and blow it the next season. Yep. Like,
1: three uh, straight blown wins for him. Yeah. So beautiful. Beautiful. Um, with Alex Bregman hitting the IL for what has been told to us a long time, it's, uh, or, or, it's going to be a while, was the word. Abraham Toro has been the starting third baseman for the Astros. Got picked up in 158 leagues for as high as 171. That's a bit aggressive. But he was playing every day in a very, very good Astros lineup. The minor league numbers really didn't jump off the page to me, but they're going with them. He had a four-game hitting streak before he snapped it tonight. He's He stole a bag. He had a home run over that stretch. He's walking a good amount, not striking out a ton. Like, it's a super small sample of good production, because before that, it's not been good production. But it's one of those, it's like, hey, okay, he's going to play every day in that kind of lineup, and that lineup's red hot right now. So what's your thoughts on Toro? Because I could see the point of uh, giving him a try while you need him.
2: Yeah, I I like him a lot. Um, You know, if you look at if you look at what he's done in the minors, like he didn't hit last year when he was in the big leagues, you know, got uh, or the last two years, really, the batting average has been low, but he's not striking out a ton. Um, The skills are the skills are okay, you know, 33% O swing for his career, but the contacts really high 81.3%, 30% hard hit rate, which isn't that great. Um, You know, the the stack cast data isn't that terrific, but I think these are the types of guys that, you know, they don't caught, co- they end up, don't end up, you know, costing that much fab. And they, he's going to, it looks like he's the third baseman. Like you said, for a, the foreseeable future, he's batting sixth, you know, probably seventh when, um, when Tucker comes back, which I hope is. soon.
1: Yeah. Please, please. God, hurry up. Like, I know. Please, it's not please before before week, Friday, man,
2: this is bad. Like
1: all, all these, me? good, all these good games, like all these, like oh. there's more, all this stuff. Like, they had the greatest matchups, the seven game week, all this stuff, and he's just yeah, he's COVID. Oh,
2: yeah. So, um, um, yeah. So I think you know I, I think I think it's nice, and and the thing is you can have him in. You know they get Baltimore this week, they got Detroit this week, they got Baltimore next week. I think they also have like somebody not very good the second half of next week again, and they have seven games both both weeks. So put him in if he doesn't succeed in that, then maybe move on from him. But um, I like that pickup. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I like that one a lot. The next one I was kind of in on, didn't get him anywhere because apparently more people were in on him than I was. But Eric Fede, a guy I've made fun of many times because he just hasn't been that great. Like he's been very hittable over his career. Like he throws a good start here or there and gets up like three bad starts in a row. It's just the Fede way. But uh, he got picked up in 139 leagues. And if you look at his his recent starts, they've been outstanding. I know there's a pitch mix change. He's even getting strikeouts. He's looked really, really good, and um, I was, it's like, I don't think he's the Ross Stripling pickup of the week, but I was like, okay, I can kind of buy into using Eric Fetty for the foreseeable future, at least in a a streaming situation on your roster, so I was kind of intrigued by Fetty. What about you?
2: Yeah, you know, he's been okay this year. Um, I I wasn't in on him. He wasn't available in any of my 15-teamers, so that may be one of the reasons, but he's another one of these guys where you kind of dive in and. There's not a lot to hold on to here. Um, K-minus walk rate is 12.9%, so worse than league average. His swinging strike rate is 8.2%, well below league average. His O-swing at 29.4%, you know, is below league average. His in-zone contact rate at 89% is below league average. So everything is pretty much below average. He does generate a number of ground balls. You know, 52% ground ball rate. But then you look at his Babbitt, his Babbitt's at 241 right now. His home run rate is like almost, you know, one half of what it usually is. So my guess is, yeah, his home run per fly ball is down at 12.2%. It's 19.6% for his career. Um, So maybe guys aren't making as good of contact, but they, they are like his average exit velocity is the same. His barrel rate is the same. Hard hit rate is about the same. So, you know, there's some regression coming for him. Um, You know, the velo is higher than it's been before, uh, 93.9, so around 94. You mentioned the pitch mix change with the cutter that he's kind of added to his repertoire. Let's see how good of a pitch that is, though. Um, The cutter is decent pitch, 13.1%, swinging strike rate, 31.9%, o swing, decent in the zone. So, you know, again, I'd be interested to see, yeah, if he's increasing his usage of that.
1: Um, he has. He's definitely He has it throughout yeah. the course of the year. Well, especially over, like, his last three starts. Like, you look at his, his pitch mix, he's got more, like, slider-cutter change in his last, like, three starts. He threw a lot of fastballs in his last start. But before the two starts prior to that was a massive change mm-hmm. compared to, like, most of the season. So that's what, that's what I'm talking about. I've heard from some other guys, is like, his last three starts or so, you've seen a much different approach to his pitching. Yeah. And that's where I was intrigued by by what we saw there.
2: Yeah, for sure. And one thing I'm noticing in his five game rolling average is just the the end zone contact is much better. I mean, it's still at league average, eighty five point eight percent, but that's so much better than where he is for the full season. And so those are the types of changes, yeah that you that you got to make that you got to keep your eye on um, because they can make a huge a huge difference. Um, yeah. Although recently his cutter usage is down
1: a little he bit. He dropped it off last game. Yeah, it last was like, spiked up for like three games and it dropped down. Because I'm looking at the Savant chart. I was looking at Fangrass at first, but Savant's got some different pitch mix than that Fangrass page. Yeah, and the changeup yeah,
2: is a totally new pitch. He did he yeah, it right I, before this year.
1: I think that's part of it as well. So like I remember hearing, I think it was Simeon was doing one of his pitcher breakdowns. And the, uh, the addition of the changeup, basically the addition of the changeup, using fewer fastballs. And either using more curves or cutters, like it, it varies. If you look at from start to start, that varies. Like he switches, maybe it's just the attack on the team they're facing. I don't know, mm-hmm. or the feel in the bullpen, but just the change and up in general. In yeah. yeah. So that, that's been the big change. And he ditched the sinker, he ditched it completely. He threw it his first game of the season, and he hasn't used it really since looking at this chart. So that's been the kind of development he's, he's, he's turning into a different pitcher right now could he fall flat on his face again? No doubt about it. Like that would not shock me because again, I said I've made fun of him for the last few years. Like I like to stack against him every time he was pitching in Washington, Yeah, but like, I'm just starting to watch him now. Like he shut down the giants, not even being a Homer, like their offense is good and he shut them down. Uh, he's, he's had some really good starts of late that really, and he's going deep. He's gone at least, uh, I think let me pull it right here. He went seven innings and two was last three starts. He hasn't gone up a run in three straight starts. Uh, six Ks or more in two straights. I know there's, like he's the walks are kind of down. Like there's, there's things that are kind of pointing in the right direction. I know Mm -hmm. you look at a bunch of the deeper, deeper stats on that, but I'm just looking at the changes in recent games thinking maybe he's going some other direction and uh, intrigued me quite a bit.
2: Wow. Yeah. He's, he hasn't given up a run in 19 innings.
1: Yep. So, So,
2: yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah. It's with a very high ground ball percentage as well. So yeah, maybe he's figured something out um, for sure. It's, it's quite possible. I mean, yeah, I'm always like a little bit of a, I'm, I'm a little bit of a cynic, I guess, which is unfortunate, but it's kind of like Ryan Yarborough, he was doing super well, right? He had that stretch of really good. And I was looking at, you know, kind of the metrics and like the one thing that stood out was his BABIP was like one fifteen during that period of time, you know, and those are the types of things that always regress. But the question is like, if you're allowed, if you bank those stats beforehand, it's a whole lot better than when you get the regression, like you have the last couple starts with him. So um, you know we'll see, but it really interesting dynamics certainly going on there with Fetty.
1: And let me let me correct me. I said he's still using the sinker a ton. He ditched the forcing fastball. That's okay. what he ditched. He's yeah, that makes the sense
2: with the, with the ground, ground ball. I, yeah. I
1: I changed his game logs just like the last three starts, the 19 innings, and you you're onto something as well, like usual. He has a 200 BABIP over that stretch, 100% left on base percentage over that stretch a near 64% ground ball rate, which is good. So a zero ERA, but a two, three, two fit three, one, six X fit, which in reality I'd still take right now with him if that's where he's trending to. So we'll see. It's, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if he's the gas can I used to portray him as. <laughs> I, I just don't know. Like it's one of those, I, it's weird. I kind of trust him more than I trust Joe Ross. It's, it's just, because Joe Ross, I just can't get my fit, my pulse on him at all. And he just, he's like a weird one for me. So I don't know. We'll see. I might regret all of this conversation. <laughs> um, all right let's go to another one a big another prospect that we saw everyone's pumped on when bobby bradley was called up last year didn't really get it done in a very small sample in 20 actually it's 2019 when he got called up. he didn't get called up in 2020 2019 he hit buck 78 over 23 games at one home run well we're seeing a new bobby bradley they said he made some changes at the alt site which is great he started out really good in triple a this year and he's hitting 283 with five homers um to start off this campaign since he's been playing pretty much every day hitting in the middle of that Cleveland order. Honestly, if you need a power source, this guy intrigues me. Like we talked last week about Vogelbach, but that was because he's in Coors. Sure. Um, guys like those kind of players. I think Bobby Bradley, if he's playing every day in Cleveland, hitting in the middle of that order, I think he's very viable if someone's in need of power situation.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I think you got to be focused in on with him. I mean, you know, he's got a 45.5% home run uh, to fly ball rate. You know, the contact is about where it's been previously, you know, 64.5%. So significantly below league average. But like you mentioned, I mean, he hits the ball incredibly hard. 114 max exit below. Um, where did that go? It disappeared on me. Uh, 114.2 max exit velo. So we know he's elite there. He's already got seven barrels, 21.9% barrel rate. So again, I think he's going to be one of these profile guys where you catch him on the hot streak. You may get you know, 10 home runs in a month and then you're going to get a month that it's like one twenty or one fifty batting average and you know, a couple home runs. And so you just gotta, I think you just gotta play it and, and, and write it while he's hot while roll it, it while he's got good matchups. Um, and then, you know, don't, don't, don't be hesitant to pull him out of your starting lineup or move on from him when things go South a little bit.
1: Yeah. Cause I do. If, if he's maybe he's made the complete change, we'll see. But there's going to be a slump usually with him, so just, just be ready for that. But the power is legit, and like you said, he's on a hot streak. Roll with it. Like he, he may be what we hoped Rowdy Tlaz was going to be this season. He's got that kind of power. So really, think about that one if you're going to go look for him. The next one's fun, Toby. I know we kind of talked about him last week, but I need to bring him up again. Dalton Varsho has picked up in 128 leagues. Someone spent 225 bucks on him. Bold strategy. I know uh, Kelly's going to be out for a while with the, uh, I believe it's broken hand, fractured hand something like that. He got hit by a pitch again. I'm still not sold on Varsha. They still play vote a ton. But what I will say, the reason why I want to bring this up, Varsha stole a base tonight. Did he? Yes. Wow, that's nice. I had to bring that up. <laughs> it's all worth
2: it, Bubba. All exactly. those times yes. I drafted him in DCs, <laughs> it's all worth it for that. It's all base. coming together. That's, I needed. that's all I needed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Varsha, I mean, he struggled a lot, you know, every time in the majors. I think the one thing that gives me some hope, just a little bit of hope, is the contact rate. Um, the Babbitt's been super low. And again, we're dealing with only less than 200 plate appearances here. Uh, 240 Babbitt in his in his career. Contact rate at uh, 72.6%, so not too bad. In zone, not great. So slightly below league average, but I don't think it's like the 29% strikeout rate that he's showing so far. So again, if he can get ride himself into a little bit of luck, you know, and, and God knows the diamondbacks need it. I mean, talk about, you know, um, you know, it might be interesting. It might be interesting to, you know, I don't think Soria is going to gain much traction on the waiver wire. Like if he's on your waiver wire, nobody's going to be interested because the D backs are so bad, but no team is this bad, you know, it's not like you look at their lineup and you're like, it's the worst lineup ever put together. Right and so you know I, I i might be looking at soria next week in leagues where he was dropped where i'm so desperate for saves because what goes goes down must come up you know theory, like, yes. happens, even for really really bad teams and this is a team that can still win four or five games in a week you know a few times this year and so and they're due and they're due for a little bit of a run so don't totally write them off anyways that ended up being a joe soria who's awful and i would never recommend getting but if you're really desperate for saves maybe but dalton bar yeah. is fine and, and especially with catchers i mean i have thankfully i only have one league where i have crap a crap crap catcher um and i'm i'm rotating that i had astudio now i've got jeffers which is fine um i got lucky there because he was 90 percent owned in main events um but it's so bad. Like show is better than all those other options. <laughs> you know, just speak,
1: speaking of which, is uh, your top catcher? I did get to see him go yard on Sunday. That was nice.
0: Oh, so JTR. That, yeah, yeah, JTR. Yeah, yeah. One. Yeah.
1: I thought of you immediately. I like so. It. Yes, that was that was great. Uh, did you see what happened to the Dbacks lineup tonight?
2: Uh, I saw that. Peralta K- has nine Ks and five innings.
1: No. Catel Marte left with an injury first inning. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so yeah. bummed about that. I saw that. So did Justin Upton. Yeah, Justin uh, Upton left. Uh, it's just, uh, it's know, fun. It's hard Baseball's hard fun. Baseball's fun. Lots of fun. Um, so that, that'll kind of end the list. Like, there's a lot of interesting moves, like Taylor Ward's uh, a guy that I like a bit. Uh, Flexen was picked up in a lot of Flexin, places. He's pitching, mm-hmm. he's pitching really well on Tuesday night. Caleb Smith, if you're really deep and want to get frisky. He's actually pitching decent since he's back on the yeah, rotation. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like what do you like Kobe Allard through well? Like these this is where we are at this time of the season. It's kind of uh like kind of the Eric Fetty model. Are you buying the changes? All of a sudden they're pitching well, or are you not? Like, where are you taking your chances? All I'm gonna say is if you want to take chances on these guys, fine. Don't break the bank for them, please. That's all I say. Just don't break the bank for them. Uh, any other additions that kind of stood out to you this week?
2: Uh, Flexen. I, I like Flexen a lot. He wasn't available. He was only available, um, in, um, he was only available in one of my 15 teamers, but he's got a pitch mix change. Um, Flexen has a pitch mix change. Um, I want to say he's throwing his fastball a lot less. He's throwing his change up. And I think a slider might be a curveball. um, throwing it a lot more. And so I really liked him because if you look at what he's doing, I mean, he's not, he's, he, he's not walking guys. He's given up contact, but he's got decent pitches, you know, generating the right kind of contact. So I, I, I liked flexing um, where I could pick him up. I was certainly interested um, in him. Abraham, Abraham Almonte is playing every day and batting cleanup for the Braves. So, and he had five games this week. Uh, I think he's got, a, a, eight total or nine, nine total, uh, this week. Um, so he was another guy that I, that I really liked a lot. Um, you know, just for this week, pretty much, or, or if he continues to get play all the time, cause it's so hard with outfielders. I mean, it's really hard to find outfielders who are getting consistent run out there. Uh, Chaz McCormick, you know, if he continues to get run, it'll be interesting to see what happens when, Tucker comes back. Is it McCormick that sits or do they give or, or do they sit Miles Straw? Straw yeah. actually hasn't been I don't it's know. I should great. check it out. He
1: went he went deep today. He's got like two home runs over the last like week or so, give or take. Stolen a few bags. He's played better of late. I'll give him that. Over overall it has not been great but, but uh, he's got very forward. good
2: play discipline is the one thing that's it's outstanding
1: and like yeah. if you can if you can the way that lineup's so good if you can bat him ninth and wrap it around with Altuve and company like get on base for those guys i think you almost want to keep Straw in the lineup but we'll see we'll see and i imagine i mean i'm just assuming because he's
2: fast but that straw is a good defensive center fielder but yeah um we'll see i may be making that up um Odorizzi obviously looked really good against the Orioles. It was the Orioles, but yeah. um, wow. you know I can't believe JP Crawford is still available in some places. He's got a big so power uptick recently. Yeah. Um, I think it's because he's hitting fewer ground balls. Whether that'll stick or not, you know I'm not I'm not really sure. Uh, you know Jake Bowers. I looked under the hood. It wasn't super interesting. The only place I picked him up was in a 20 team dynasty
1: league. Um, I picked them up in barf. I'm desperate. We did. Oh, nice.
2: O B P. It's a little bit better. Yeah. Um. And then, who was I going to say? Oh, Greg Holland got a, this. I uh, another save tonight.
0: So who knows? Best.
2: Who knows what's going to happen there? Um. So yeah.
1: The and only I think we got only, a we
2: got a comment over here. Yeah, like, we'll get to that in just a second. It.
1: We'll get to that just yeah. a second. Um. The only other guy besides uh, that that you didn't mention. Uh, Tony Kemp, I just want to bring him up because I think I've written about him in two of the last three weeks in the outfield waiver wire column because no one picks him up, Um, and I get it. It's frustrating, but the A's are batting him towards the top of the order most days. He's got lots of speed. He's actually showcasing a little bit of power, but most importantly, the way you mentioned Miles Straw, Tony Kemp over the last like two to three weeks is walking over 22% of the time. Mm. The dude is getting on base and scoring a ton of runs, so you're not drafting him for power. Again, i will give you a little speed and a second base outfit eligible, which will come in handy as well. So it's, I'm not saying it's a must dad. He's definitely a deep league ad, but I'm just blown away doing that column every week, and I have to use X percentage rostered guys. There's some players that just blow my mind. I know it's Yahoo that I have to use, and that's a whole different world. But like it's, it's crazy. Some of these some of these leagues, I'm like, I want to be in these leagues so bad. Not just him like Jock Peterson's like 25% owned. I'm like, what? Like wh- where does this exist? Like sign me up. Kyle Schwarber's still fifty less than fifty percent owned as of last week in Ooh. Yahoo. Like <laughs> whatever. But yes, um, I mentioned his name as guys that got added, and Alex Thistlewood is a, a great listener of the show. He jumped into the, the chat over here as we're live on YouTube and, and stream yard and uh Periscope, all that good stuff, and Twitter, and he asked, "Can we do a deep dive on on Kobe Allard?" And it's a good one because he's made four starts uh, in his last four appearances, and he's gone uh, five innings in his last three. He's given up no more than two earned in any of those four appearances. Six K's in, in two of those appearances. His pitch mix has been interesting because he mentioned he was really good against the Dodgers. Well, against the Dodgers, he threw a ton of changeups and kind of dropped his uh, forcing usage in that game. Basically, his drop in forcing was increased by the changeups. Does that, cha- that continue? Who knows? But when you're looking at underneath the hood right now, uh, Toby, what do you see on a guy like Kobe Allard?
2: Well, I mean, for the full season, you know, 40 innings pitched, 43 strikeouts. I'm a little skeptical of the strikeout rate. It's at 26.5% right now. The swinging strike rates around league average, 10.8%. Uh, the CSW is at 26.9%, which is well below league average. So there's nothing in the strikeout skill set, including the end zone contact, 84.8%, that really points toward that higher than league average strikeout rate being sustainable. Uh, I think the key being the walk rate. Um, but even even that, I mean, he's worse than league average O swing, You know, decent in the zone, gets behind hitters a lot. He has his worst first pitch strike um, percentage. It would be interesting to check out his percent of pitches that's balls. But then if we take a look at his last 4 cuz you said those have been his starts. Those are all right?
1: starts. Yeah, he's actually been in the rotation.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, I know he was available in one of my leagues. So in his four starts, uh in-zone contact rate is around league average 84.9%, his O swing is up at 30.7%, so right around league average. K-rate's at 26.3%. The walk rate has fallen to 5.3%. Uh, swinging strike rate has also fallen, though, below 10% to 9.9%. Um, I know that I saw a tweet from Matt Modica about, like, a change in pitch mix that maybe he's utilizing. Uh, the change percentage is up slightly. Yep. Fastball percentage is way down. Yep. Yeah. Um, but what is he throwing instead?
1: It's like a cutter, potentially. Cutter and a change uh, the
2: cutter good old like. cutters cutters yeah. is up. cutter is up a little bit but i don't think that's
1: he's got a cutter and a what curveball he, uses throw? with? I he throws a curveball up. too the curveball yeah. is up dramatically
2: okay um from earlier on in the season 16.9 oh yeah. no, they're, they're, yeah. so, so definite pitch mix change let's see what but the interesting thing is like the skills haven't actually
1: changed improved that it.
2: much so like his curveball does have a 14.5 percent swing strike rate which is the highest of all of his pitches um, which is actually, it makes it much better than it has been previously in his career. I mean, for his career, it's a god-awful pitch. 8.8% swinging strike rate, 19.8% um, chase rate. So, so slightly better there. The four seam is generating a 10.8% swinging strike rate. So that's pretty good there too. The cutter actually, it, it gets more chase outside the zone. Still a ton of contact in the zone. Not great swinging strike rate pitch. Uh, if I were to guess I would say that Allard is going to get blown up here sometime soon would be my guess. Yeah, um, he's just because he has some yeah. has some regression yeah. even with that pitch mix change like I got to see something better.
1: Yeah, the yeah, Allard's a guy I like to attack a lot when it comes to DFS. Um he's proven me wrong the last few times obviously, but the other caveat I'll mention just from knowing team splits of late, he pitched well against Seattle. That's Ooh. Seattle. Uh Tampa Bay struggles a lot versus lefties. So you got that going for you as well. Um the Dodgers was surprising, but if, if you go under the hood on the Dodgers, they've been really bad over the last month. It's the Dodgers and the Padres are not who they appear to be right now. So you got that going for you. And then Minnesota, that's interesting, but they're also beat up too. Like he he, he attacked four teams that are all underachieving at the moment. So kudos. He did what he's supposed to do in those starts, but he didn't go deep into them. Didn't get a ton of strikeouts in two of the four. Um, it's interesting. It's very interesting. So maybe he's making – I know there are people that like him a lot. Like I think I heard Eno talking about him or something, that he likes his his stuff and everything. But I don't know. I, I I see what you're looking at, and it's hard to 100% buy in on that situation. But the Rangers will run him out there quite a bit, so they got that going for him. All right. A couple more listener questions here as Alex got us kicked off on this one. Let's start with the biggie. Our buddy, uh, I will start Dan the Goat. I forgot he was the first one. Our buddy, the Byron Buxton uh, fan club president. Uh, sorry for your loss. At what point Byron in the Buxton
2: se- will not be a first round draft pick next year? No,
1: no, he will not. Unfortunately, um, at what point in the bad. season do you start to be seriously concerned about struggling stars? I mean, it's nearly July, and Juan Soto has a 430 slug. That's amazing if you're Carl Crawford. Soto mm-hmm. has been the biggest disappointment in all of fantasy this point. He has not been the biggest disappointment in all of fantasy at this point. I will be very clear about that. has he been a disappointment? Sure. The biggest disappointment? No. So I, I will fight that one until I'm red in the face. Do you have um, and any
2: guests you on any of your teams? Dan? Yeah,
1: like we could go on a laundry list of uh, guys that have been disappointing this year that aren't named Juan Soto. Juan sure. Soto was hurt. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He was hurt. He's coming back, so let's uh, let's Didn't get he off. He have the road. COVID
2: earlier in the year too. Like uh, that, was to that, was that was last season. That was last season. season.
1: Okay. But he he was on the IL for a while this year. Um, he's still doing his thing slowly but surely. It's not ideal. I 100 percent understand what he's saying, but let's uh, let's take a deep breath here for a second and take a step back. You know, you look at all his his ex stats. Jump off the page. His exit velocity is still good. His back CV is still good. His, all of his ex-BA, ex-slug, X wobas whatever X you want to put in front of it are all outstanding. It's his highest hard hit rate he's had in his career right now. Um, he's still walking at a decent clip. I said it a couple weeks ago. I'll say it again. I am not concerned about Juan Soto at this point in time.
2: You want to know what I'll say? This is what I'll say. I'll say if you add together his 2020 season and his 2021 season together, that's probably his true talent level. Yeah. Because, and that's one of the things is last year wasn't real, you know, like last year was not like. And we, you know, I'll take my hits, but I think in our preview episodes, I said Juan Soto was the guy going at the top of drafts that was the most, the biggest concern to me. And it's like, you know, he had a 363 Babbitt, which was way above what he had been you know his home run per fly ball was 36.1% which also not only contributes to his power but also to his batting average you know um in his fir- in his other two full seasons right 292 282 you know he's hitting 276 this year so you know again like i think he's really really good but i think we we our expectations were a little um a little high given what he was able to do in the shortened season and I think what you're seeing potentially is just, you know, like season to season like regression, like he had this great kind of 90th percentile, 95th percentile outcomes in this 2020 season. And now he's probably at like, you know, 25th or 30th percentile. And I bet he'll probably go on a hot streak here sometime soon. And then he'll be hitting like 290 you know, and he'll end up with 30 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 100-100. And, you know, it'll be good. But, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is disappointment is one thing. Not meeting your expectations is one thing. But he's not a guy who you're not losing your lead because of what Juan
1: Soto Bingo. Doing. Bingo. Like, if you went in drafting him for his season he had when he nearly won the MVP, well, you weren't going to get those numbers. Like, basically what Toby's saying. Those are, like, 100th percentile-like situations. Maybe 110th percentile situations. He was definitely going to regress back to a very, very, very good baseball player that's going to help you in four to four-and-a-half categories, and you're going to be very happy about that. And the only leagues I drafted him high in were OBP leagues, so that's where I'm happy about that too because that's what he does. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's funny if people think was a disappointment. That's that's wild. Like If he continues this the whole season, we can have the discussion. But, again, even if he continues at this pace, he's probably not losing to your league like Toby said because, if anything, he's going to play the rest of the season. So – that's ahead of a lot of people right now. All right. Dave Petroziello, this is a, a long one, so give me a second here.
2: It's great. It's a good question.
1: Are you using, are you using Magic 8-Balls to make these decisions? I know one guy in the community that has a top five overall team has Chapman and Iglesias as his closers, so there's something to be said for that. My strategy this year was to get one top guy, or at least a guy from the Presley-Kinley tier, and take some shots later. That worked on some teams with Barnes and not so well with others like Bass. Given what these managers are doing and how tough getting saves is becoming, will Toby modify that strategy next year or maybe mix it up? One team doesn't use any capital on closers. And maybe another team gets one solid guy and maybe another important team try to get two top-end guys. Although I doubt Toby will do that. So basically, because you're a guy that likes to wait on closers, which usually works well. This has just been a bizarre as heck season. So, how do you see looking into it next year?
2: yeah yeah it's been it's been a tough season for sure, and you you have to own it too though, like when you have a strategy and it's worked for you in the past and you tout it because it's worked for you in the past and then it doesn't work for you, regardless of what why it's not working. I mean, you have to kind of own up to that as well. so definitely been a failure in that respect this year. Um, but in terms of next year, I mean, I think this year is dramatically different for a couple of reasons. I think, well, I think one primary reason, and that is that so few teams are actually sticking with a single closer. Like it's one thing, it's one thing to have turnover in the closer position. I think that happens every year, but it's another that there's so many teams that are now implementing a closer by committee where without even like, it's not like they're alternating, you know, it's not like this guy gets a save and then this guy gets a save or, you know, whatever. It's just like, who knows, right? Like the, the Tigers we talked about, you know, the Reds we talked about, the Royals we've talked about, like all these teams, you know? And so really there's so few locked in closers who are like the guys um, that I think it makes, it makes it more important to get a guy who's locked in in that role. Now even with like my approach like I was really high on Anthony Bass coming into the year and I think of my like six 15 team leagues you know that I that I am pretty heavily invested in um, I think I had him in four. And he's a really good example of like the volatility of closers. Like he sucked his first two outings. He had two terrible outings that were both save opportunities. Then he had something like fourteen or fifteen straight outings without giving up a a run, but he had already lost the closers' gig, so he wasn't in there. You know, so the timing was just bad. And but he didn't get the job, and so then I was out, and I and I speculated on the wrong guys, and so and what I what has happened is is your absolute nightmare of what happens, which is you you go into a season, you think you've got decent shot at closers. You end up with zero in a lot of cases. So you spend all of the early fab where other people are spending it going after, you know, the guy who's breaking out hitting or the guy who's doing this, you spend all of your time analyzing closer situations and trying to speculate on closers so that you can have a closer, um, to be invested to, to have on your team so that you're actually getting saves and, and you waste a bunch of fab. And these things have never happened to me before, honestly, like I've maybe once or twice in in unique situations, but generally I've been able to compete in saves and generally been able to, but I just haven't this year. And so it's definitely going to change my approach next year. It won't necessarily mean that I'm going after like a Liam Hendricks in round four or a Josh Hader in round four, but it definitely means that I want to get I want to have a guy who's definitely got that closer role. And I had that this year. So maybe it's making sure that I have two, because in previous years, I've actually been able to do that where, where I got those two. And so maybe that's where I aired, but it's certainly going to be, make me draft closers earlier on than I usually would. It'll depend on what, what, what the draft situation looks like and what teams are saying and what the, what it looks like, but I will certainly, bump closers up, I think, next year in my draft because I, I don't want to be in this situation again. It it has been really it's been really miserable.
1: Yeah, no, and that's kind of it's a good conversation because we talked about it a ton in the preseason. It's been a kind of an ongoing thing with especially early in the year with all the people bidding on closers, as you mentioned. Um, it feels like fantasy football with all the running back guy committees. Like there's like three teams that like play their star running backs. Then it's just like a, this guy gets two thirds of it, this guy gets a third, but this guy got the third might get all the touchdowns. Like, what are you going to do? It's kind of has that feel to it. I know it's different, but it has that feel. Um, the the hard part. And like, I, when I drafted and I know we talked about it on the show, I was like, I have my top six guys. I wanted one of those six to walk out with. I did that in most drafts, but then you still got to hit on the speculative guys. I got lucky. I've hit on most of them, but there's still not some, I, I have a hunch. If you did your same strategy next year on your speculative guys, you'd hit on a lot more than you did this year. Just because that's just laws of, you know, regression, whatever you want to call it. You can't, and you're not the only one. Like Scott that jokes about it all the time too. He finally got a save like a couple weeks ago for the first time. It's wild. It's absolutely bizarre out there. But the, the reason why I try to get at least one early is I don't want to spend a ton of fab money. And I still got caught up in it from time to time. But this year has been much different than normal. The concern I have is I don't think it's changing. I see this happening unless they change the rules. Like I heard on um, Jason Stark, Starkville with Glanville and Stark. Glanville had some ideas that because all the new rule changes he said, Well, if you want to get rid of sticky stuff and you want to get rid of the shift, maybe get rid of an extra bullpen arm so you can have all these specialized guys that come in and throw ninety five to this or so that, make actually have relievers that can pitch. That could change the way the closers happen. I'm not sure that'll happen anytime soon, but that's I guess one way to do it. If it's the format we have now, I think there's gonna be a lot of teams that are gonna to continue to use like the Giants using Rogers and McGee makes too much sense. It makes too much sense having a lefty righty situation. And I think more teams might go that direction. We'll see. But um, Alex Thistlewood makes a point. We drafted Naris, Ottavino, because Barnes had COVID, and Jordan Hicks thought we had three closers. Yeah, it's a, a lot of people did, man. A lot of people did. Technically, Naris got you saves um, if you still have him. Ottavino's had a few, but I doubt you still have him because once Barnes came back, most got rid of that one. But you didn't know Jordan Hicks was going to get Tommy John again. So that's just, it's just, or they didn't get it again. He got hurt again or whatever it was. It's just been a weird year. Like, you got to knock some of it up to that strategy was sound it, like you said it's worked for you so many times so why you can't beat yourself self up for it now it will be interesting next year though to see um especially just in general like when we start seeing those like two early mocks with mason where do closers go where do they go it'll be very very interesting to see that where that happens so um alex also says it's hard carrying these one or two guys they get whipsawed if you drop them like robles yeah it's it sucks. It really sucks. You get to the point. I can't remember if it was Vlad or someone else. You just kind of add these guys after a while, and you just go. You know what? I'm just going to play them for like a month because they're going to end up with three or four saves. We don't know when they're going to happen, but you just play them. You don't try to don't play the guessing game from week to week because you're going to miss out. It's like playing the old days, playing Johnny VR. Well, I'm going to play him this week and he gets no steals. I sit him next week he gets six. You just some guys. You just got to play. It sucks. So, any other thoughts on yeah. that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing is like a lot of these guys aren't good.
1: Well, that's another, yeah. We've talked about that a lot too.
2: Like, like Hansel Robles, like he's not, he's not good. So if he's not getting saves, he's worthless. Like Gregory Soto, Gregory Soto has been decent, but he's like a train wreck. Lucas Sims, you know, we talked about him last week is like, Oh, I really wish I had him, you know, now he's given up, you know, uh, He's given up three runs, you know, in in a third of an inning. If he even got a third of an inning today, because his location sucks, and because he walks a bunch of guys, you know, and,
1: and so got that to I save. think is the
2: <laughs> is the is the is the challenge. Is like, you know, it's one thing to have a really skilled closer who's having access to saves. If that was the case, then then great, then then do it, right? But um, a lot of these guys aren't good, so you don't want them in their lives. It's like, yeah,
1: it's well, that that, that goes back to possible, like if you want a roundabout way that's why i added bailey over this week instead of a speculative closer going okay i'm gonna go maybe get four innings and decent ratios and a couple strikeouts like let's go see what happens it's it's tilting it's very very yeah. tilting um last question we have here from john wilder he asked thoughts on conforto rest of the year I think he will get back to the high hopes that everyone had in the preseason now that he's healthy well toby did not have high hopes going into the preseason so you've been right there obviously he was hurt so I, I had,
2: I had I reasonable games. hopes. I it's have obviously not, not the hopes
1: from last year.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like not, I wasn't drafting him, you know, at pick 75 or whatever like that, but um, no, I mean, I, I, I don't, I think he should be okay. I mean, it's a hamstring. So as long as he's healthy and he's back, I think he should, he obviously had a slow start to the season, but he was starting to warm up before he got injured. So, you know, it's summer, it's a good lineup that he's in. He's surrounded by a lot of, a lot of good hitters. So I think I think he should do fine. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's a really important league, so I'm I'm excited for him to be back. So I, I see no reason why he shouldn't. But the, it's tough to answer a question like this because it's like go look at like and I know it's such a cop out, but go look at the projections. That's the most likely case of what he's going to do rest of the season, which, you know, are probably still uh pretty good. Like fifteen. Yeah, he's gonna be pretty home good. Runs,
1: he's two, be good. He's batting average. Gonna, yeah, he's not gonna be for a big average. Well, I guess that's that's big in this year that's actually really big but so um, so the bad x has him at 254 with
2: 11 home runs 36 runs 35 rbi and two stolen bases rest of season i could definitely see the over on the home run total there um but you know again a lot a lot depends i mean he only had two in 135 plate appearances um so who knows whether that's you know but he also had a 7.7 percent home run per fly ball which doesn't seem sustainable for a guy with his type of power so
1: it's going to be tough. It'll, I hope he does well. It'll be fun to have him back this summer. I think he'll be good. I think he'll be very good. Uh, just stay healthy and uh, hopefully run hot with the home runs. We've seen it with him before. I, I'm not too worried about the average with him. I'm not counting on an average from him. Just hit the middle of the order, drive in some runs. Let's have some fun. So I'm with you there. But uh, that'll wrap us up for tonight. Toby, any final thoughts as we head through another week? Uh, we're almost through the month of June, which should be about the uh, halfway mark in the baseball season not really
2: um you know like uh i don't know i talk a lot about like my experience in going through these leagues a lot you know in kind of providing some context and things like that but don't worry the lead that i have and i know i said i messed up the closers and i messed up Vlad jr the teams are on the rise a little bit they're doing okay so don't worry about me too much um but yeah appreciate everybody listening as always and um, you know we're almost halfway through the season, which is kind of crazy to to think about. I mean, we're a week away essentially from being halfway through the season.
1: Yeah, it's crazy to think that we're almost halfway through the season. At the same time, I'm like, we're only halfway through the season. Like, it feels like a long season because of just the chaos that it's been. It's I, I just, what's around the corner is going to be just it's it's going to be a crazy situation. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll be back with you guys every Tuesday for the most part, as long as, you know, random stuff doesn't happen. I will say we'll be here back every Tuesday. So um, thanks for listening. As always, you can check out Toby on Twitter at of Crazy. I'm at BD Entry. We'll be back with you guys next week, but this was Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 88. See you guys later.